This is the Fox Motorsports Supercars Podcast. Welcome to episode two of the Fox Motorsports Supercars Podcast. I am the Pit Lane Rogue, and also along for the ride this week, we have Lewis Isaacs from supercars.com. G'day, AJ. And Will Dale from foxsports.com. G'day, you. How you going? Also, we have uh, David Reynolds, who's currently in debrief, and will be joining us soon. But, uh, boys, let's start with our Winton wrap. What a cracking bunch of races they were on the weekend. It really was. Like, and you kind of expect that from Winton, being a much tighter track where if you're going to make a passing move, yeah, you can look at strategy, but if you, ultimately, if you want to get past, you've got to force your way by. Yeah, uh, it was one of those races where everyone expected the weather to have a massive impact, and it didn't. You know, on the on the Saturday and the Sunday, I don't think it seemed to matter too much. Um, as Will suggested, you know, you, you do have to do a bit of biffing and barging, and that's what the categories are renowned for. It's not like other categories where you hit someone and your race is effectively over because your car's significantly damaged. And um, yeah, I, I thought it was a pretty sound weekend, especially results-wise. It was good for the championship. All right, Will, talk us through your weekend highlight. I gotta say, it's the increasing needle that's going on between Red Bull HRT and Shell V Power Racing Team. I mean, the battle between McLaughlin and Van Gisbergen in the early laps of race two—that was that was great. That was great to watch, and also the fact that Van Gisbergen and Jamie worked, well, arguably worked together to ensure a one-two result when Fabs got in amongst them after the safety car restart. I think we've got a grab of Shane talking about that in the presser. We were a little bit worried about Fabian because he was closing the gap and then safety car came out, he was right there. So, yeah, Jamie sort of managed the gap and then we, he slipped on some oil at the last corner and I got through with a bit of help from my Kiwi brother beside me, but then I stitched him up at the next corner. So, yeah, it was, it was good battling, but um, I had to do that to Fabian, get Jamie back in front because um, Fabian had a speed advantage. And Lewis, what was your weekend highlight? It's an obtuse one, I guess, but I really admired Jamie Wincup after uh, Sunday. He didn't get the win, but he spoke about it after the race and how much that would mean to him. Life's good, the sun's out, and, you know, I've got my health and family, so I'm not going to slip my wrists. But um, I'm not here to run second either. So, um, yeah, yeah, disappointing not to win. I want to win a race and haven't done that yet. That was very interesting from Jamie. Yeah, I, I just think for someone like him who's won so much, he's probably going to be statistically the most successful driver the category's ever seen. Um, you know, he's four points off the championship lead, but that doesn't seem to matter. He just wants to go out and win. And if you recall a few years ago when he crashed out at Winton and he sat at the fence and watched the cars going around and mentioned how much he actually loved the sport, you know, this is another part of that. And it's good to see that passion because you don't often see it from Jamie. He's um, a pretty guarded kind of character, even though he has had this, this massive run of success. So... I thought that was pretty impressive from himself to be so candid. Most people were probably probably thinking along this line that my weekend highlight would be the amount of drivers that made great gains through the weekend. I mean, Lowndes' gains from qualifying to race pace was was great, and uh, you know, Davy Reynolds as well. And I guess we can talk about him because he's not here at the moment. <laughs> um, he made some great gains on the weekend, but I actually want to send a shout out to Betty Clemenko who donated fifteen grand of her own money to the Winton circuit for, mm. for some upgrades. And also um, uh, Supercars who chipped in $1,000 as well to, to add to that total. And I think Red Bull Racing also chipped in 1000 So I think that's great that we've got some team owners uh, giving back to the, the Winton circuit. Well, you don't always see tangible signs of how the sport is giving back to the venues that it races at. It's nice to actually see that happen. Yeah, you look at the current status of Australian motorsport and there aren't a lot of new circuits. The last permanent one that we race at is... Uh, 
Queensland Raceway, which was built almost 20 years ago now. Mm. So you do have to do running works on these tracks. Um, Sydney Motorsport Park got a big refurb a couple of years ago, and there are little bits and pieces done here and there. But yeah, it's nice to see that they're still investing in these tracks, even though they're looking at new avenues like the Newcastle Street Race and so on. Now, I just want to touch on a few talking points from the weekend. And for me, it was a disastrous weekend for Nissan. It was... They, they all had a shocker. Oh, absolutely. For Considering that they're the team that has probably logged the most laps there this year in terms of testing because Simona's had her rookie days and Todd and Rick have both been behind the car for at least their maximum number of laps on those days, they, sh- they should have the most sort of data going in on what the tyre will do at that venue, and it really didn't translate. Uh, and especially when every team lost track time on the Friday due to the weather... They should have gone in with an advantage. And also, given their complaints over lack of horsepower, Winton's not a track that really will show that up, and they still struggled. Yeah, it's been a circuit they've gone notoriously well at. You know, you remember um, Moff's win there a couple of years ago and whatnot. <laughs> Don't it, mention it, the juice. Yeah, <laughs> but it's a, a track that suits that style of car. You know, it seems like the short, sharp turns and whatnot, you know, are kind of suited to the Ultima. So to watch them struggle was... Um, it must have been pretty sobering for them. And, and you speak to members of the team and they talk about how significant the tyre change this year is and they just haven't wrapped their heads around it. Their setups from last year, they say they've got to throw it away. Mm. They're ineffective and it kind of chews through the rubber. So they're having to reinvent everything again after reinventing their aero kit you know, twice already and then having that continuous engine push. So it seems like it's back to square one again for Nissan. And, um, you know, Winton was probably after Perth where they weren't, outstanding either like a, a low point um it's probably not been talked about as much as you know the, the walk and shore kind of business but for a factory team to be traveling like that after rick started the year so well topping the test day and, and really performing at adelaide it's it, it's yeah it, it's quite a shame the, i was gonna say their highest place on the weekend was todd kelly with 12th on the saturday yeah that's, that was their highest place that's really not good enough no, no. for a four-car team with good drivers you know like rick's still an excellent driver Todd's been around for almost 20 years. Caruso was outstanding last year. And got boxed by a wildcard this weekend. Yeah, I don't think that really helped. No, um, no. Given it was an, a Nissan wildcard mm. too. But even that car, you know, it showed a bit of promise in the in the wet session with mm. Shea. He's relatively inexperienced, but he was fast there. And he also had a test day there last week, or the week prior to the, the running too, where he got to sample that new Super Soft for 2017. So, yeah, I think... It's something that's kind of flown under the radar of their performance this year, and they're probably playing it smart by trying to focus a bit on themselves, but it doesn't help when drivers are, uh, you know, chirping a little bit on social media and clearly unhappy about how the results are going. Well, I think you're right about how much the tyres affect them, especially once they realised after Clipsal. Like, you remember they had, was it three blowouts on the Sunday at Clipsal? And while they originally thought that might have been a potential issue related to what we saw at Phillip Island, my understanding at the time was that they realised that partially that was set up and nothing to do, not really anything to do with the tyre itself, which I guess partially caused some of the rethink they've had to do. Well, we we need to also talk about, you know, the HSV, Mobile One HSV racing team. So they, they thought they got rid of Burgess before Winton, got to Winton, Courtney winners in, a, in the chassis that wasn't haunted. Possessed. It wasn't possessed, exactly, wasn't possessed. And they've gone just as bad. Worse. But Worse even. in saying that, Courtney had flashes of speed. I mean, in the, you know, in, he was racing with Percat for 10th when they had the 
coming together. The, exactly, the coming together, and Courtney's off in the in the sand. So, where do they go from here? Well, you look at qualifying, and, and neither car made the top twenty mm. on both days, and that's why I thought it was worse than Perth. Um, James is the kind of driver that can salvage a result, which is probably what we saw at Winton. It, you know, in hindsight, it's definitely what we saw at Adelaide. That was that was clearly all him, but. You look at that team, and we mentioned it on the last podcast. You know, you go back a few years, and it's the same story. They're nowhere, and they're trying to reinvent the team and getting rid of Burgess. You know, it's it seems like a, a, a band aid solution for something perhaps a bit bigger. You know, he's he's one man who's mm. you know worth a lot of money and has a lot of experience and brought you know a bit of success to them. He won seven races in that that short tenure he had there, but it just seems like there's bigger problems at that team than you know, then the team manager or team principal can resolve on their own. But equally, it's not it's not like a football code where you fire the coach and the players band together and rally and they roll out the next week and turn it on. Whatever the problem is was not going to be solved overnight by getting rid of Adrian Burgess. No. So, okay, so what do they need? Do they need... I mean, it's not like Ryan said in the coverage on the weekend that it's not that he's not there all the time because other teams have got management structures in place to deal with these sorts of things. Like, he mentioned Penske, because Roger's not here every time, but... Well, Benny Roland's is not, even interstate. Yeah. Mm. You know? And Roland's not engineering the cars at Triple Eight. No. So. so, do they need a bigger investment? Do Does, you know... Is, is that the problem? Is the problem... I mean, because their engines are strong. Yeah, well, mm. we're going to get to that. I think the fact that the horsepower in the customer cars you're even seeing, like, they just... They pull away um, just as significantly the... The economy rates of them, it's like it's really impressive. And you know, over the the super sprints, that might not be too evident, but in the longer races this year, that'll really play into the hands of those that have those. But you look at the ball sports, and you touched on managers, and it's if you do it in a ball sport, you only do it if there's someone better out there to replace your manager with. You know, mm. rarely does it, you know, kind of revitalize the team if you're in like a a bit of a problem. So you you know, they've got rid of Burgess and they've promoted Matt Nielsen, who was already in house. So if he's better, why wasn't he doing it to begin with? Mm. You know, and who's better that's available? You know, they're probably saving a bit of money right now by not having Adrian on board. But where do you go from here? Um, well, if they're casting the net far and wide, and they said they're going to look external, internal, worldwide, who else would they get? I mean, Burgess had great F1 pedigree. Would you go for someone like Sam Michael, who is, you know, working with Triple Eight at the moment? But that's equally a problem. Like, you, it's hard to attract... It's hard to attract top talent to a fixer-upper, especially when, as you said, Burgess has credentials internationally, has credentials for one, winning the 2010 championship with James Courtney and lead, and helping lead Triple Eight 2011, 2012, 2013. Yeah, through Car of the Future, which was a massive change. Absolutely. So there's clearly no one else immediately available that you know that springs to mind. And yeah, as, as you guys touched on, it's not necessarily that one person's job to fix the cars completely, you know, do you invest more in chassis development? Ryan touched on, you know, sharing componentry or kind of like R&D with other teams mm. to try to find the best thing. So that was something BJR did with the introduction of Car of the Future. They tried to get that triple eight front end and all of a sudden they start winning races in that era. You know, you buy the best bits available. It was something um, DJR Team Penske did too. They outsourced all their R&D to, to ProDrive essentially at first and kind of tried to fix their own kind of um, well, setup around that. It was a sensible shortcut to take and it saves a lot of money than trying to fumble around in the dark on your own, which arguably is what HS Mobile 1 HSV Racing have done the last the few years. The Boost Mobile Mobile. Boost. <laughs> well, they, look, there was two teams mentioned that are running Walkinshaw engines. There's GRM and Erebus. 
So let's talk about Erebus. Let's get David Reynolds on the phone. Hey, boys. How's it going? Yeah, good, mate. We were just talking about uh, mobile or walk and racing having a tie-up with certain teams, and GRM and Erebus yep. were mentioned. Uh, how, how would that sit with you if that was to happen? Like, uh, what, we share IP and stuff? Yeah. No, I don't think it'll happen. No, no chance with us. What, what we, we, when we originally sat down with Baz at the start of last year, we want to build a car and have our own IP that no one can really steal or use or buy or sell in office, so it's, I don't think it'll happen, no. Perfect. Well, that's a... Let's move on. <laughs> that question. Yeah. Well, will that, Dave, will that extend to the engine department as well? Because you guys currently run Walkinshaw engines, do you? Yeah, yeah. We, yeah, we, we buy um, uh, engines off them, yeah. So it's GRM, so yeah, there's sort of six, six cars with the same engine in them. How do you rate those engines? Because I was listening to a couple of radios from Barbagallo of cars that were behind Walkinshaw engine cars, and the drivers were saying, like, just amazed with the horsepower you guys had. Is that a fair assessment? Mate, yeah, we're, we're going all right, I reckon. Um, where they, like, I've been with them for two years now, so, well, this is my second season. They had an update halfway through last year that we never got till this year that sort of improved it again. So, mate, then, to be honest, they're some of the better engines I've had in a long time. But I don't think they're the best yet. I, th- I still think, like, DJI have stronger engines. All they... Well, they put their power down better, so it looks like they have better engines than us. But like, I'm, I'm pretty happy, pretty, pretty comfortable. Well, you'd, you'd have to be happy after the weekend because although you didn't have the best qualifying pace, your race pace was outstanding. And if you had qualified better, you probably would have been well and truly on the podium. Yeah, man, I was pretty, pretty happy with our race pace, especially on the Saturday. It was my car was phenomenal, and don't bleep me out either. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, re- it was really good, man. Like I. It was one of the rare times that you, you know, your car works really well and it just makes makes easy work of it. But on the Sunday, we stuffed with a we stuffed around the, with the setup too much and and tried to make it turn a bit better, especially the qualifying. We tried to keep it into the race and it kind of yeah just stuffed up the balance a bit. But it was still it was still pace enough to end up seventh, so mate, it was really good. Well, at Perth, we saw Barry get a bit upset at you for. Um you know, not showing enough aggression. So do you think you brought a bit of that to Winton as well? Got the elbows out a little bit more? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I was... Hang on. Are you getting arrested? No, uh, paramedic. Um, yeah, but like, what, it's, it's, easy to, it's easy to fight when your car's good, but if your car's no good, it's hard to sort of fight. And in Perth, our car was pretty weak on the Sunday, so it kind of made my job really hard as a race driver but at Winston mate it was kind of easy to go forward because I think we should have qualified further up the front than what our our pace indicated so um yeah so what was the what was the big thing out of debrief today what was the what's the one thing that you're chasing that you're not happy with just our, our qualifying pace we need to like really figure out how to make the car turn on the new tyre we put these new tyres on and you get a lot more rear grip than you do in the front, and it just pushes the car around. If you can't get the, the turning done in the mid corner, that's all our dramas at the minute. It, it, it sounds like a really easy thing to fix, but we just haven't found the magic bullet yet. We're like, when you watch like the Team Penske cars, because um, they're obviously phenomenal qualifiers, they're a little bit more un- 
compared to our car, they're a little bit more unstable on the entry, but they have this really big, big corner turn, and as soon as they get on the throttle, all their sort of dramas disappear, and they've got amazing drive, so, you know, it's given us sort of indications of maybe where we need to head. Well, the driver that you guys, that you're reporting, seems to be pretty consistent with what some of the other teams are showing. I mean, we saw Mostert in one of the sessions running roaded fronts, which would have been up to temperature, and bolting a brand new set of rears to the back to try and, I guess, balance things out. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a common thing. We tried that on Sunday, but to be honest, I don't think it made any difference. Depends where your, press, where your pressures are and where your operating window is, and you try and get the... The, the even evenly matched front to rear, so you can put in a you know a really hard lap. But I don't think it made a difference to our, our car. I think we also need to touch on the wild cards from the weekend because they were, that was the first weekend that we've rolled out those those wild card programs. How do you yep. think the three of them went? I reckon some of them did good. Like in qualifying, they you know like uh, especially I think all of them actually showed up. Some of the main drivers. So um, yeah, like that was awesome to see. Well, I was going to really say because. Cool. Shay Davies, his best finish on the weekend was 18th. James Golding, his best finish was 16th. Uh, Macaulay Jones finished, you know, 20th. So, you know, there's a fair few drivers who are behind them. Hey, they did an amazing job. It was cool. I never saw him on the track, so it was good. <laughs> <laughs> well, you saw a couple of your rivals get a bit upset at a few of the, um, the wild cards and rookies. So is there still, you know, a fair bit of hazing that goes on for the young fellas in the category like that? Uh, like in regards to the winner bottom of rule, I think. Yeah. Yeah, Paul Mark got he got he got screwed over big time, I reckon. So he didn't but, get uh, thrown under the bus, as Alex said. He, sorry. Oh, Alex said he got thrown under the bus by Mark. So do you not agree with that? Uh no, I, I totally agree with what Mark said. But I think Alex then said something like, you know, I don't know, I think he doesn't know his place that well, young Alex at the minute. He's trying to find it. <laughs> well, he, he he for the most part finished behind the wild cards, but it was you know Shay Davies and Caruso that I think had a lot of people talking as well. You know the incident of those two coming together on on Sunday and firing Caruso off into the fence. Yeah. Well, it, I think in their instance, their wheels interlock and then it sort of it broke uh, Caruso's steering. So it's one of those bad incidents. But yeah, poor old Mark got stuffed over it at the restart because I think Alex was trying to do the right thing and get out of the way but kind of I don't know when you try and get out of the way the best thing to do is just stay on the racing line and let everyone pass on the inside and that's how you sort of get out of the way and make sure you put your indicator on right oh, so, to be honest it's really hard to find where the indicator is it's not on the store like in a, in a road car it's like a funny switch that's, that's poorly um, poorly indicated poorly yeah, well, <laughs> funny, well yeah. McLaughlin had no trouble finding it on the weekend because he indicated for everyone else, like let most people through on Sunday. Mate, I couldn't, be- I couldn't believe that. Could not believe that. He d- he made it made it easy for you know SVG to go through and everybody. He basically just almost pulled over and let them just go through. I I, I, I understand what he was trying to do, but I couldn't believe he did that. Would you think that's him kind of playing towards the championship there? You know taking that conservative approach because he knows he's better off finishing fifth than getting punted by someone else who's, you know, getting upset they can't get through? Who else is, who else is going to get punted by? Well, the car's a mile, mile faster than everyone else. No one's going to catch him to punt him. Yeah, but when it's working, that's true, but it wasn't. Mm. It was working fine. <laughs> he just had a gear shift issue, didn't he? Yeah, but that's hard work. Not really. Well, there you go. Yeah, 
Are you saying that McLaughlin's a bit soft for complaining about the shift cut issue? Oh, I've, I've never had a shift cut issue in the new car, but in the old car, it was, it was standard. In the old H-pattern one, it never used to work. Mm. But, yeah, you can dip the clutch and not, not lose a lot of speed, but it just makes for a longer race, I reckon, especially around there. But I can't believe he actually just let uh, Shane pass when his teammate was kind of in, in the race and... If you held Shane up a little bit longer, maybe Fabian could have jumped them in the stop and stuff like that. So you could believe that. Well, the, the other thing is, is you know, Shane's got no trouble, no trouble holding other people up because he he held up Coulthard to let Wink up through. Exactly. Yeah, they're playing the team card. Yeah, that was actually a really clever thing he did. I thought. Yeah. Really, really clever when he um when he made made a made a Fabian go to the outside of turn three and then Winkup was able to sneak down and, and get him on the inside and that was that was a really 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 good piece of driving I'll tell you what Fabs was not happy about the bump that he copped from Winkup <laughs> he, he was what? on the nah, he was on the radio for a good few laps afterwards not, really? not overly pleased but you know fair enough cost him a spot and cost him a shot at the win stop racing my friend <laughs> I, I spoke to the, the, the DSA afterwards and you wouldn't believe the amount of emails he gets just about little contacts like that that sort of go nowhere and doesn't, doesn't mean anything. So it's just drivers complaining about nothing. I could believe that the stewards' report for the ones that actually did get looked at was a mile long from Winton, just from the Sunday. I know. Every race is the same. There's always always teams trying to dob in other teams for you know to try and get them the, their advantage and other drivers saying, oh, he hit me at turn four in the back, but nothing really happened and... You know, it's just, it's not just stupid. People just got to get over it. So it's not a job you're going to pick up in retirement, then? <laughs> no, no way. Well, the other thing is, is that you know, weren't they supposed to be outlawing a lot of that uh, dobbing from Phillip Island? I mean, there was a piece from you know in the in the papers about them trying to outlaw all the niggling and dobbing down up and down pit lane, but strongly discourage you from. <laughs> well, they, they trying to. They try, what was that? Like, we strongly discourage you from doing this anymore. Yeah, I know. It, it doesn't look good, but isn't that the Australian way? <laughs> <laughs> that was probably my fa- Actually, that was probably my favourite bit from the stewards' report from Sunday. I can't remember which incident, but someone complained about something that happened, and Michael Massey went back and looked at all the judicial cameras and, quote, could find no evidence of an incident taking place, so he didn't refer it to the stewards. <laughs> well, the other thing we need to talk about is the the pit exit rejoin drums because there was a few people that had a fair few problems from that. But Davey, you seem to manage it Mate, all right. You were all well, locked up. Yeah, and... I, I I nearly had a drama, but the funny thing is, I wouldn't even I didn't even know they were there. I wasn't even looking for them coming out of pit lane. My Alvin being on, on my radio said, "Oh, you, you should be spotted in front of Winterbottom." And so I've come out of pit lane. I've seen Winterbottom. I'm like, cool. I'm clear of him. And then I get to the braking zone and put on my brakes and there's three cars beside me trying to pass me. I had no idea, so I just had to make the best of a bad situation. And, and it actually turned out really cool for me. Yeah, you, I, you looked like a boss doing I that. Did, yeah. I know, thanks man. Yeah, it's all skill. Two turner, <laughs> two burner. Well, it looked better than, than Tim Slade's effort. He, uh, I'm sure Rick Kelly's still uh, angry over that, just being taken out. I don't know. Slade just had a bit more speed on me, or maybe... Um, on his in-car, it looked like he grabbed the fourth gear going down there, and I, I sort of hung up on the limiter on third, so maybe that 
tiny bit of extra speed was enough to sort of, um, yeah, increase his braking distance and steer into him. So, yeah, that looked pretty bad. Well, the other thing I think we need to talk about is, you know, ProDrive having, you know, they have flashes of speed with, like, Waters had a great weekend all weekend. Yeah, amazing, but Frosty had a shocker. Had, yeah, shocker. Chaz had a really good Saturday. Oh, well... Until know, his car broke. Then, mm. Until his car broke, but then qualified 18th on the Sunday, which is really, really uncharacteristic of them. Yeah, Waters drove really well. Um when he sped in pit lane. That sort of cost him a little lot. He said that his pit lane speed limiter didn't engage, and that's that was the problem. Uh, yeah, I doubt it. <laughs> I'm just telling you, that was the official line. When you press the button, it either works or it doesn't. Well, apparently it didn't. I doubt it. When you turn your lights on, when you go to flick your switch on, like when you get home, do the lights work or they don't work? <laughs> It's a, it's a switch, it's, you know, it's an electric switch. Yeah. So watching Pro, um, watching Drive, what's your take there? Because they do have four, you know, good drivers. They should be good enough to win at most tracks. You go to, they go to Winton, which is their home one. And, you know, outside of Penske and Triple um, Eight, they're the only ones that won. So Winton, what was going on there? Like, what, what do you see from them? Well, just Triple Eight and DJR have their Together, they've got the fastest cars on the grid. Um, so really, at best, you're fighting for fifth. And it sucks. You know, you might get lucky like myself and Waters did on the weekend where you beat one car, one DJR car or Triple Eight car, and you can end up fourth. But to get that next sort of bit, it's really, really hard. Well, it, it's funny you just said you're fighting for fifth because, you know, last week, Triple Eight re-signed um, Craig Lowndes. So, uh, does that mean you guys kind of don't really factor him into that title consideration? Uh, no, not, 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 just, I don't know, with Lowndes it's a bit of a, he's just a bit hit and miss. You know, he's got his really good tracks, he goes awesome at, and then some, I don't know, he has flashes of brilliance, and then other days, I don't know what goes on, so... Well, they had a they had a shocker across the weekend in qualifying, and then they tried to get their setup closer to the Red Bull Racing cars, and his race pace was was also was then fantastic. Yeah, man, he marched forward like I did every day. But you don't know why they wouldn't just plug the same setup in in qualifying and try and make the make the most of a an awesome car. I don't know. <laughs> that said, both Jamie and Shane are saying that the the Red Bull cars aren't that great in qualifying, so maybe it's just a question of those boys are able to rag a bit better so, lap out of it, whereas Craig isn't on. at the moment. When they say they aren't that good, what's their worst qualifying position, like fifth? True. Rel- relative. Relative. Come on, my car's not that good in qualifying. I can qualify 13th or 14th. That was my sort of... That's not good for us. You've got good race pace, though. From. Yeah, no, my, my thing's really good in the race. One of the better cars I've had than the race pace. It looks, you know, looks after its tyre really well. It's easy to drive. Yeah. So what is it? The trick of a track is it's just so many corners and like oh like Sunday night I couldn't even drive my own car home. I was that buggered. <laughs> I was jacked this man. And then all yesterday I've done nothing. I'm just it's like I'm hungover. Just a hard track. Well, that's the thing. No one really considers Winton to be... Like, everyone talks about Adelaide, how physically demanding it is, how hot it is, how it's... Well, it's just, it's just because it's hot. Mm. But Winton, you know, it's, it's just... It's a short ratio gearbox. 
you know, you're constantly changing gears. You don't, I, I don't even have enough time to drink down the straight. That's flat out. You hardly have enough time to change your bars. So who looks the worst after um, getting out of the car at Winton then, amongst the drivers? <laughs> Probably me on the weekend. <laughs> but, but you're the cage fighter. Yeah, I know, but I don't know. It just depends on. Also, depends on how your car's handling. If your car's handling good, like on the on the Saturday, my car was really good, and it was I did the race much easier than I did on the Sunday because it was a little bit edgy and I was, had to fight it a bit. But no, no one ever ever considers that. That's an interesting point because you know it's um it's one of those things that doesn't get factored in. No, never. No one cares about us. We're just a we're a commodity. You know, we're a, meat a dime bag. A dozen drivers. Sorry, yeah, we're exactly. just killing the violin. Component. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so just stepping back a little bit, is the Wildcards program a success or is that a failure so far? Mate, so far so good, I think. Um, the grid looks more filled, which is fantastic for the sport. Uh, yeah, all, they're all, all the kids behave themselves and it gives them opportunities, which is something that's what we're trying to do. Yeah, you look oh, at. No, what did you guys see? What did you guys think? Well, you look at you know a couple of years ago, and you had you know young guys that would come into the sport, and they'd be a little bit reckless and whatnot. And the the obvious one that you know I saw pop up today was Paul Dumbrell, who was mm-hmm. notorious for tearing up other people's cars. And, <laughs> and and you know by the time he, he decided to hang up his helmet, he was pretty well regarded. He'd won races and whatnot. So the guys have got to learn somewhere. Um, you know the Dunlop series. That's true. Might not necessarily be that place in its entirety you know there's obviously a ceiling in terms of talent and um intensity that comes through there so yeah like it does that is that a concern for you guys when you're out there you know perhaps that these young guys they might be working a little bit too hard and they're going to make a mistake and it could affect you mate i don't i don't concern myself with anyone but myself when i'm racing <laughs> that's a good attitude for the next time someone hits you we'll um we'll roll, that, know, we'll roll that out again i'm not worried about Unless people have really big accidents, I'm not really worried about other people's well-being. <laughs> I think I think the other team that we you need to... call me an asshole. I don't care. <laughs> I think the other team we need to talk about is is Techno because they've had a, f- a shocking start to the year, but then two top tens at Winton. It's um, it was good pace yeah, for man. them. Yep, Will was fifth behind me in the race uh, one, and I think he was ninth or something in race two. So yep, that's a much much more improvement for him. I'd say that's two straight, well, I guess three straight weekends when you factor in Phillip Island where they, they've come home with a straight race car. And they couldn't say that after Adelaide, certainly couldn't say that after Simmons Plains. It's true. They, they don't, didn't look like a happy team at the start of the year. Like, you look around the workshop, there was, you know, a few glum faces and everything else, but it seems to have turned around in the last few rounds. And I guess getting those top tens kind of eases the pain and helps them out a little bit. Hmm. Yeah, what? definitely. Yeah, what? any good results help help team morale. Well, that's it. In terms of Triple Eight customer cars, they are the closest to those cars on a regular basis, and they've kind of flown under the radar in that respect. Like they were, they were right. They were probably best of the rest in Perth, and were once again up there at Winton. Yeah, but they've got this unique position where they're clearly out of championship contention, though. Mm. Um, so you can kind of throw all that each different race weekend without any concern about what's going to happen the one after, you know. So is Campbell, yep. is Campbell Little making a, a difference there? He seems to have brought consistency. Like, uh, it's a small sample group to look at a couple of races, but 
you look at how the techno car used to perform at tracks like Winton, tracks like Phillip Island, it used to be nowhere. And Davo was one of the best... Well, Davo was right up there, was good on his tyres at Barbagallo, defended quite strongly, and got a good result. That's that's probably one of the more measurable turnarounds, I would think. Well, that, that's, yeah, it's an interesting point. And, you know, how far can they go this year? I mean, they won Bathurst last year, but they were, you know, inconsistent with, with Davo behind the wheel. How far can they go this year? What What is a, a positive outcome for them at the end of the day? Uh, more endurance race wins, you know, or just race wins. Uh, as I said, they, they're kind of out of championship contention, so if they can just put all their focus on the particular races. John O'Webb's still one of the fastest co-drivers out there. Um, Will's incredibly quick, um, and he seems to be a very smart racer too. He seems really, really good at managing... He's hard to pass, I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> but do you agree that he's like he's still one of the fastest guys out there too, if you were to kind of oh, mate, rate the he field? Lives and breathes it more, he lives and breathes racing more than anyone else in the category, so yeah, Will's one of the best drivers out there. Well, well last year you were effectively a one-car team at, at points of the season, so is it really hard to develop as well when you're situated like that? It, it, it definitely is, but it, it's also not because you're not... You're not not swayed by any other other factors or other drivers. You can just solely solely concentrate on yourself and what you want to do and achieve, and not worry about anyone else and what they've found. Or because sometimes other drivers go down different paths and find better ways, and then you try that setup and it's shit. and then you're like, oh, what did we bother? And it's a waste of a day. And you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, that makes mm. sense. I guess you, you get yeah. a little less lost. Yeah, you, you kind of become a bit more selfish, but. It's kind of for the better. Now, Dave, I was, we were going to start a segment where you tee off on someone, but you had a fairly good weekend, so I don't, I don't guess there's anyone that you need to, uh, you need to have a word at. Mate, I've had a fantastic weekend as far as that. No, nothing. No one pissed me off or anything. It was great. So, are, are we? <laughs> <laughs> are we? Are you excited for you know for Darwin? Are you? Is there a few new things coming your way, or is it? pretty much, you know, aiming for top 10s and that's the goal? Um, yeah, we're still, we're, still trying to, we're still trying to qualify, you know, in the top sort of five. Um, that's our goal, top six, really. You know, being the first three rows is good. We're just, we're just you know, we're always building bits. We're trying to, just got some, some ideas. We're trying to see if we can fit to the car and whatnot. But I think most, our car's not too bad with our spring balance. I think we found a good um, direction over the last couple of rounds with the soft tyre, and we're just trying to consolidate, really, and do some small tuning items. Yep. Nothing so, nothing really major yet. So if you're not going to sound off on anyone, uh, can you... You, you know, guys can do it. You guys can say, oh, this pissed me off, or... Oh, we do all the time, mate. Can you single someone out Journos, for a bit of praise in? <laughs> well, I, just, I just rag on folks. That's my favourite thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, is there someone oh, well, from, from the weekend you thought, you know, you could single out for a bit of praise? a bit of praise um, well there's probably two people uh, probably Waters drove really well on the Sunday made a really good pass on McLaughlin in the dying stages of the race which is you know pretty good to get fourth and uh, Tanda drives well all the time doesn't he well, all the time yeah well considering the amount of work Dave that you know we mentioned it last time the amount of work that GRM had put in to see Tanda up there and even Moffs had flashes of speed this year yeah, does a fantastic job. He's one of the best drivers in the category. 
Yeah, well, I think Tan is sitting six in the championship. Yeah. Um, when you, uh, when he's you, seven. Right, there you go. He um, was six, and now he's seventh or something. I'll have to double-check that one. But, yeah, it, it's pretty impressive, you know, when you consider where they were at Sydney and going to Adelaide, oh, no, no feeling pace. blind. No pace whatsoever. Mm. And, obviously, they've, they've managed to sort out some issues in the car and get some pace into it, and, obviously, one of the best races in the field. Do you think that walking tour is helping too? Starts, we've always sort of qualified around each other, so he's always start next to me on the grid, and I always think I should just try and follow him through the traffic, and ne- it never works out. He always ends up like three spots in front of me by the by the first <laughs> corner or the first lap, and I'm still stuck where I am. You know, you probably just done that. you probably just locked you know a hundred thousand dollars off your contract by saying that. Oh well, I've given him an extra couple hundred grand, maybe. Well, he owes you. <laughs> But I'd end up in front of him by the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the other not, thing... Not all the time, though. I think the other thing that we need to talk about is is BJR's pace. Because they, like, for, you know, having their test track at Winton, and all of they haven't been down there this year. Yep. But, you know, Slade won there, did the double, double last winner year. last year. Yep. They were nowhere. It's very surprised. Everyone's a bit perplexed about that and not sure what to think. Well, they look like um, they're cars yeah. that used to have a lot of, you know... Um, working the really high grip kind of circuits and maybe that new tyre is just not gelling with them. Exactly, yeah. The tyre's a little bit different than what we all suspected, I think. Because, yeah, at Adelaide, everyone's going, it's making no difference and now we're a couple of races in and everyone's singing a different song. Yeah, for us, I think we've we've definitely cottoned onto it onto it more so than the last couple of rounds. So, yeah, it's definitely different than what we thought. We thought it wouldn't do nothing and... Yeah, we're all changing our setups and going in different directions. So, what is it you've learned about it over the past couple of rounds? Well, it's just it's just not the same old. It's not the same as the soft tire we had last year. It just reacts a little bit different to your your tuning item. If you know what I mean. I can't give too much away, <laughs> even though I'd love to. So, what's but your spring rate and what's your um? Yeah, your yeah, your yeah, yeah. we won't tell anyone. Promise. Where's Donald Trump? Next question. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other the other thing that we need to talk about, especially with this weekend, is a is Alonso doing, you know, awesome and in Indy in the oh, top. How good is he? Yeah, in the <laughs> top nine he? in his first outing. Oh. What, is there is there any? What he qualified fourth, fifth, middle yeah. of the second row. Fifth. Yeah, amazing. Hey, amazing job. Is there any supercars drivers that you think could transition to any other categories? Well. I think McLaughlin's got high hopes of doing um, NASCAR. I think that's his sort of American dream. Um, yeah, that's that's probably half the reason why he signed up with DJR uh, Penske. Mm-hmm. You know, to try and... But otherwise, I don't think a lot of other people have aspirations to go overseas. Well, if you maybe were... Maybe Van Gisbergen, maybe. Well, he's, but... he's backed off his racing... Uh, other pursuits this Overseas. year, yeah. I think it's yeah. just because there were so many calendar clashes for him in particular. Like, when's he his next one? Do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But if you had like a um, you know a couple of million dollars just sitting around doing nothing and you're a bit younger, what kind of uh, path would you be choosing? Would it still be the same one, or would you give open wheelers a bit more of a push? That, like, if I was a young kid growing up, you mean? Yeah, and I've, and I've given you like just a shed load of money. Okay, I'd probably go property market. <laughs> <laughs> In Sydney, right? Yeah, in Sydney or Melbourne. Mm. So, is there is there anything? Well, it depends what you. It depends what you want to do. If you want to do, depends what you're passionate about. Like Formula One, Formula One, and that's the coolest 
you know, fastest sport there is. But if you want to do NASCAR, there's, there's heaps of other opportunities you can do. But for me, it's always, for me, when I, after I won Formula Ford, I wanted to do the Formula One sort of dream and do F3 and stuff. But then we realised it's going to cost £600,000 to do a year over there, which is, you know, over a million dollars per year, which we didn't have. So then we just stayed in Australia and I've, I've, all I've wanted to do since then is race v 8 Which is a perfect thing. Well, and and also with the Penske thing, I mean, they could easily put McLaughlin into the second tier, tier of the NASCAR series and do a couple of road course events like Watkins Glen and... Uh, Mid-Ohio. Exactly. Yeah. And he, he would smoke them. He would hose them. Yeah, do, you know, do, you know, follow Ambrose's path, I guess. And do, you know, um, not do the trucks thing, but do a couple of wildcard events and then, you know, see how he goes. Yeah, I think once you get on the oval stuff on those cars, it's a lot different than the the road road the road courses. It takes a lot more discipline, and it's a bit of a boys' club. I think you got to join before you get before you get uh before you get good at it. Well, he'd have to have a few test days at the at the Thunderdome down <laughs> in Melbourne to get get used to the oval circuits. I don't at, know how good at it Calder is. At Park, yeah. Yes. <laughs> With like with uh, weeds and growing <laughs> out of it, you become very that, adaptable. That place is all, yeah, it's all stuff that joint. Yeah. Sad though, because I would have. I, I actually never went there when it was, you know, sort of up and running in the nineties. I wish I did though. Everyone said it was how good it was. That was actually my first live race meeting, Thunderdome. It was the last year the Americans came out in December '94 under the lights. Brilliant. It was, yeah. Yeah, it was just. Just, would have been amazing. Yeah, just pull up in the infield and mum, dad and I in our Tarago and just open up the moonroof, get back in because the NASCARs were phenomenally loud. And uh, yeah. yeah, it was great, yeah. How cool is that? Yeah. So would you ever do something in the off-season, like get into a sprint car or something for a bit of fun? You know, you see Paul hey. Morris do it occasionally, yeah. Oh, I've driven them before. They scare me, man. They're too fast. Oh, come <laughs> on. 13-second laps around like Parramatta. Yeah, I get a headache going around Winton, so <laughs> I get a headache going around any speedway track. No, but I can appreciate it for what it is, but, yeah, it's just a different discipline. I like my time off, man. <laughs> when racing's over, racing's over, you know. We've got three, three and a half weeks till Darwin, and everyone's uh, everyone's needing it, I think, because racing every two weeks since the end of Feb's been full on for the whole the whole category. So what are you going to do for the next few weeks before Darwin then? Oh, I honestly, I haven't even planned anything. Just hang out. The next race of the Supercars Championship is the Darwin Triple Crown in a, in a few weeks' time. So, uh, Will, thanks for your time. No dramas. Lewis, thanks for your time. Thanks for having me. Dave, always a pleasure. Thank you very much. No worries. Thanks for having me again. And we will see everyone after Darwin.